Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Carissa Pagitsas has been a leader in sustainable finance industry and product development for 20 years. She launched the Fannie Mae Green Financing Business, which under her leadership issued over $51 billion in green bonds, becoming the largest issuer globally. Carissa is a trusted board member to nonprofit and for-profit companies and a sought-after speaker on catalyzing business transformation through ESG, sustainability, and green financing. Our second guest for this Acre-sponsored episode four is Gloria Mirioni of Acre Americas. And we're going to begin this episode with a discussion of leadership, drawing on Carissa's recently published and best-selling book, Chiefs Sustainability Officers at Work, and Gloria's recent appointment as Executive Director and Head of Sustainable Finance and Impact Investing for Acre Americas. But first, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. If you're tuning in to this podcast, then you already understand the crucial role finance plays in the transition to a sustainable future. With the right individuals leading the way in top companies, sustainability becomes more than just a buzzword. That's why we're excited to have Acre as our sponsor. As a world-leading sustainability search and recruitment company, Acre enables organizations to create real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in their teams. Visit the Acre website to learn more about their latest opportunities or to get in touch about building your perfect team. Hello, Krisa and Gloria, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you both very much for joining us today. And we're going to jump right into our questions. We've got a lot of ground to cover. So, Krisa, I'm coming to you first to ask about how you draw on your best-selling book, Chief Sustainability Officers at Work, regarding leadership qualities that a sustainability leader in any industry should possess? Thanks, Paul. It's a great question, as I think particularly today where we are, we're looking for leaders, sustainability leaders, but every leader to face some big challenges, both in the market, in society, and frankly, regulatory and political. So my book, Chief Sustainability Officers at Work, was a deep dive into the stories of 25 companies and their senior executives and how they led. How do they move forward these ambitious strategies during challenging times with the pressures of shareholders, stakeholders, employees, customers, and more? And I interviewed the chief sustainability officers of companies such as Amazon and Netflix to Procter & Gamble, to J.P. Morgan, and BlackRock to get those answers. And I would say, Paul, that the leadership qualities that I saw in those leaders, and frankly, drawing on my experience at Fannie Mae, is that one, you do need to be futurist. You do need to be someone who can see around corners, mm. because this field is ever-evolving and ever-changing. And I would say, second, highly collaborative. You must partner with the CFO, the CIO, the CTO, <laughs> and pretty much every part of the business Yes, because sustainability is not a silo. It's a part of the organization, but it's in every part of the organization. 
So I would start with those two. The list actually is a bit longer, but those two are must-haves. Okay. So you look around corners, and and uh, my phrase for the same um, attitude and approaches that I, I I try to look beyond the horizon and I glory I know you're doing that on a day-to-day -day basis how do successful sustainability and ESG executives partner with their peers across the company that they're all working in for example how do you interface with the finance marketing and product development people at Acre I I, I love the way you described it Krisa because you know Increasingly, you know, we've seen this role become something of just a CSR role, right? I mean, not just, but a CSR role that morphed into sustainability uh, or a CSO. And, you know, there were some people who looked at it almost like a check the box. It's not a check the box. It's a critical role for the strategic longevity of an organization. And I think that's the way I encourage our candidates to view themselves and to interview when they're interviewing with leaders, right? Is that they are part of the strategic vision or the strategic integration, and they should be part of the conversation. That's my belief. And that's how I work with candidates in order for them to get the best and highest value out of the meetings that they do have. Great. When I think of Paul, if I could build sure, on what please do. said, you know, in my experience, I was building the green bond business. It was a bond at the end of the day that happened to be green. So at Fannie Mae, right, there's issuing of bonds backed by mortgages. It has to fit within the core products of a business. And I would say similarly, Gloria, right, when I think about Procter & Gamble and Virginia Elias, who I interviewed, their chief sustainability officer, She's thinking about Ariel. She's thinking about the core products of dishwashers and dishwashing detergents and how do you make those core products sustainable. Um, CSR is good, right? Fully supportive of it. But the and to it has to be that sustainability is improving and enhancing the company's tolerance for risk, capturing of opportunities through core products or services. Because this is not just about products. This is also about technology companies and consulting companies, um, IT companies that are focusing on services. So it has to be integrated with the business. Yes. Now, there's another group of people involved with every company, of course, that's very important when it comes to engagement around sustainability and ESG issues, and that's the board. Carissa and Gloria, please, how should boards be engaging on sustainability and ESG, and where are they challenged in doing so? So what's interesting, Paul, about boards is board members are selected for their expertise and their seniority, right? They're generally towards the later part of their career. Maybe they have left a very successful senior role, and they know their stuff. What they probably don't know, though, is sustainability and ESG, because it's relatively new in the course of business history, business practices, and business processes and education. So boards have to, boards and specifically board members, have to be confident enough to ask what they don't know about. And that's often relying heavily 
on the chief sustainability officer, on the head of ESG, or bringing somebody like myself in to do a board education to get them up to speed. The board, though, is so critical because they are looking across the entire company, and that's another form of collaboration. The board needs to collaborate on the sustainability strategy and understand and ask the questions to say, hey, CFO, you've presented your vision for 2030. Uh, hey, head of sales, you presented your vision of 2030. What is the sustainability overlay on both of that? And make sure that they're asking those right questions. So boards are critical to this conversation. They need to ask about what they don't know. And then they need to ask the other senior managers uh, in the company, what are they doing to support the sustainability strategy? Right. Gloria, would you like to add to Chris's remarks there? You know, clearly it's my comment is going to be in line with with what Krisa mentioned, but I think from the talent development or talent acquisition perspective, right? We're working with we're working with clients to identify the right board members and, you know, often the ask is to make sure that that those folks who have, you know, have have or longer in their careers, they are more seasoned, have spent time in a leadership role also have today a view of sustainability, right? That is a critical competency that is needed. And as we go out to market for board searches, which is one of the one of my favorite things to do, we are identifying people who do have that view, believe in it, and are committed to it and committed to working with senior leadership at an organization to enhance sustainability throughout the firm. Okay, great. So, Carissa, back to you for this question first, but Gloria, we'd like to get your input on it as well. Please reflect for us on how companies engage on sustainability and are doing so over the last two years based on your entire career. What are, what's been different or special or the same about the last two years? Well, I would, so it's interesting. I might, Paul, take us back maybe 10 to 20 years because- sure. The last two years feels like it's been quite a roller coaster, and I don't know that I, <laughs> yeah. I, feel, I feel it's not quite in a steady state, even as I reflect on it. But I think zooming out, um, you know, I was recently actually going through some reports, paper reports in my office, and I found reports from 2013 talking about uh, TCFD and how to start thinking about TCFD and um other reports about looking ahead to the EU's upcoming regulations on reporting, which has already come out and on climate change, um, you know, looking at the initial volumes of the green bond market, right, when it was just a couple hundred million. I think as we zoom out and we reflect, certainly on the last 10 years, we've seen environmental issues and social issues truly, yes, engage with the board, so enter the boardroom. I think we've also seen some really hard conversations around how do we bring in this product, this concept, excuse me, of environmental and social impact into the core products. So back in 2012, when Fannie Mae issued the first green bond under my leadership and in partnership with the capital markets team, it was new. We hadn't done it before. Nobody understood the language. Nobody had the right words in underwriting to talk about underwriting energy efficiency. Ten years later, 
right? Fannie Mae has now issued over $110 billion in green bonds. It is the bread and butter. It is a common part of its issuances. And then Fannie Mae also issues single family bonds with environmental and social impact. So other companies are like Fannie Mae, where they have piloted, tested, and then adopted to scale new products and services. So I think that's where we are here in 2023, which is we've come a long way. And I think that's where we're going to be going in the future. We're just going to continue to scale, grow, but most importantly, integrate into the core products and strategy of companies. So Gloria, uh, are you seeing a lot of um, executive positions related to the green bond markets uh, coming across your desk at Acre? Or is this something that's only starting to get uh, um, move into a growth mode now? Like Krisa, I think I'm going to step back a little bit because sure. I, I think this is so important. You know, having having been in the world of talent acquisition for a really long time, I've obviously seen the the changes and the advancements that have been made. And I can say 10 years ago, right, we were excited about, you know, what was happening and how impact investing was developing and how we were helping to, to guide our clients in, in terms of the talent needed. And what I have seen to your uh, earlier question, Paul, is that whether it's green bonds or, you know, in, in, in terms of more public markets or, you know, direct investing, venture investing, what I am seeing and what is coming across for us is an increasing interest and, and requirement for commercial talent that has that, again, that view of, of sustainability, understands the ESG principles and understands how to integrate that into the, the the world of commercial activity and 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 the and what they do whether it's investing um you know for public public markets running portfolios um or or evaluating buying companies right whatever it might be or in, in a sense to to Chris's point earlier about the the evolution of the green bond you know I I too was was had met Chris several years ago and just where we are today from where we were then is is a huge advancement not without some headwinds right we've had we've had some challenges and we've had some whether it's you know political conversation that has 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 interfered but you know directionally i feel that within every asset class we're seeing a demand for this type of talent i'm just super thrilled to to see that well, I'm glad that you, you that last remark uh, was very important as a lead-in to my next question for Carissa, and that is, what about real estate portfolio owners and private equity firms? How are they tracking now around sustainability, and what's your expectation of that changing or accelerating into the future? You know, I've been operating at this intersection of sustainability um, and business with a focus on real estate and finance for over 20 years. And it's been remarkable to see how 
gosh, 10, 15 years ago, um, there were only a few developers, real estate developers of multifamily and office buildings, for example, that had integrated sustainability in their strategies. I think of the related companies. I think of Jonathan Rose, the Rose companies, and his focus on affordable housing um, and bringing sustainability and social issues. Today, I see pretty much every real estate company aware of the issues, right? That climate risk is something that they need to think about, physical risk as well as transition risk. But I think it's lumpy. And what I mean by that is that I think real estate companies are still uneven in how they're going to tackle it and what it means for their portfolio. The second layer of that lumpiness, Paul, is because physical risk and transition risk affects a national or global portfolio very differently. The risks on the East Coast are different than the West Coast, um, and certainly for companies that have uh, global uh, positions, global assets, they have a lot to balance. So what I would say is that the opportunity for real estate companies is ahead is continue to create a enterprise strategy first, but then recognize you need regional and local strategies to deal with climate risk. Because climate risk is already starting to show up in valuations. Um, and if you don't start thinking about that, you're going to underestimate cap rate expansion, um, the cost of reducing emissions, and you might be facing write downs. Um, there's a great article by McKinsey that's available on some of these issues, and I highly recommend looking at that. In terms of private equity, we're in a different space in some ways. Private equity has not faced as much of the scrutiny that the public companies have for that reason. They're not public. However, they do face two challenges. One, they themselves do have investors who care about environmental and social issues. So the companies that they purchase, their portfolio companies, as well as the funds that they raise, are being increasingly asked to have some sort of environmental and social strategy. That's where the difference is. Where they are a bit the same as a real estate company is, the climate risk affects their portfolio companies differently. If they're a P firm that has um, investments in agricultural firms to eyewear manufacturing to, uh, gosh, food manufacturing, they're going to face different climate risk again, transition risk and physical risk. So they too need to first put in place a enterprise strategy. What is that PE firm's stance on these issues? And then they need to work very closely with the port co's, the portfolio companies, to develop their individual customized strategies to tackle sustainability. Okay, so this uh, next question is for both of you. And Gloria, I'm going to ask you to go first this time. For companies in any industry, what should they be keeping their eye on in relation to sustainability as they plan for the next five to 10 years? I know it's a long time frame to, to ask about, especially with the pace of sustainability change, but do your best for us and our, our audience, please. Yeah, well, I think, I think, you know, the, what they should be looking for are are leaders that understand, you know, stakeholder interactions, understand investor interactions, and also have a strategic mindset. To me, I think those are those are I would call that the you know three the three legged stool. I think it's really important across any industry, right? Because whether you're public or private, 
you you do have some 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 type of stakeholder engagement that's required. And I also think that in order for longevity, you need to have a strategic mindset, right? As well as the ability to work with and across the C-suite as well as boards. It's no longer uh, necessarily a um, an add-on activity. It is truly integrated throughout commercial and corporate functions and needs to be, it needs to have a seat at the table. Great. Teresa? You know, Gloria hit it on the head. You know, you have to understand your stakeholders. You have to understand what they're looking for. I would say that an important stakeholder is also the employees. And, you know, I currently advise Paul, you know, boards, I advise chief sustainability officers, But what I take to them is the message that they alone, the board, the chief sustainability officer, and their team of five or 10 or maybe 20 people max can't do it alone. They need everybody at that company to understand their portion of the sustainability strategy and how it relates to their everyday job. So for example, what does the sustainability strategy mean for the procurement analyst? It's not be green, but that's not a strategy. It's when that procurement analyst reviews a contract with a vendor, does the vendor have in place environmental risk management procedures? How do they treat their employees, the vendor's own employees, and so on? And that goes for every job, whether that person is in marketing, whether that person is in HR, whether that person is in sales or IT and working in the data centers. So to me, this is, I think, the future of work. This is the futurist piece that I think is important of leaders, which is, you know, the last 10 years was let's get sustainability on the board agenda. Let's talk about big goals, big, hairy, audacious goals that the CEO is going to sign off on and that they're going to state publicly. The future that we need to really be thinking about is how does every job description include the relevant piece of the sustainability strategy? How do you make it actionable? And how do you make it something that is also relatable? The job descriptions and their everyday job needs to be something that they can relate to, regardless of where they stand politically or where they live around the world. That's how we're going to move forward with these big sustainability strategy and goals. Great. Well, listen, thank you so much, Carissa and Gloria, for your time today. And I'd like to know where online our listeners can learn more about your book, Carissa, Chief Sustainability Officers at Work and all of the rest of your work, and Gloria, about Acre and how can followers of the Sustainable Finance Podcast contact you with questions about the topics that we've discussed in today's program. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Please, um, whoever would like to engage with us, whether it's a conversation or comment about the the podcasts that we've that we've hosted or co-hosted, please go to the Acre website. I'm happy to have a discussion directly or send you to the right person who can help with a potential search or if you'd like to engage with us about uh, what might be next. Thank you so much, Gloria, for inviting me to the podcast today, Paul, for moderating a fantastic conversation. For listeners who would like to purchase the book and learn more about my newsletter, you can find links at cso's at work.com. 
And I look forward to hearing people's feedback and, of course, engaging in this conversation further with you. Terrific. Well, thank you both very much, Gloria Mirioni and Krisa Pagitsas. And for our listeners, if you're ready to take your team to the next level, or if you're an experienced sustainability professional, visit the Acre website to get in touch. With the right individuals leading the way in your company, sustainability becomes more than a buzzword. Let Acre enable real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in your teams. And to our followers, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Sustainable.